I'm standing outside of Upward, and right behind me, the sun is rising in the east. Isn't this a beautiful view? I want you just to soak this in for a minute because as we open up God's Word today, we're going to see that the risen sun is a reminder of the risen sun, Jesus Christ. Right now, we are living in troubled times. There's a lot of unexpected things that we were expecting that we would count on normally to happen that aren't happening right now. You got the masters not happening, uh, gathering with people, even just going to lunch with your grandparents for Easter lunch is not able to happen right now. And in these times and these seasons when we have so many expected things not happening, it's very great to have something steadfast, something sure, something consistent that you can look to and rely on. The sunrise is one of those things. It's a beautiful gift from God as a constant reminder of steadiness. In the Old Testament, the prophet Jeremiah wrote what we call the Lamentations. And he wrote this because his city, Jerusalem, was being overtaken. Everything that he knew that he was comfortable with was being stripped from him. And his city was being overrun. So all of his comfort was gone. It wasn't just a financial threat. It was literally gone. And this is what he said in Lamentations 3. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. I will put my hope in Him. The steadfast love of God is sure. It's as sure as the sunrise. And today, on Easter Sunday, we're not only going to see that the sunrise is a reminder of God's faithfulness and of the resurrection, we are also going to see two other realities of the resurrection. So take your Bible, open it up to John chapter 11. In John 11, we are going to see a story with Mary and Martha, the same two sisters that we met last week. And this time, their brother Lazarus is going to be involved in this story. And this is days before Jesus walks into Jerusalem for the final time. The two realities of the resurrection that we're going to see is, first of all, why is the resurrection necessary? And I will give you a hint. You and I play a big part in that. And then secondly, we're going to see the outcome of the resurrection. What does the resurrection necessitate for you and for me in our lives? So let's follow along in this story, John chapter 11. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Why did Jesus say, This illness does not lead to death? We're going to see that as we keep reading. And the first point today is sin leads to death. So let's keep reading in verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea 
again. Now, if you read this story, you probably have a question. Well, why, if Jesus loves Mary, he loves Martha, he loves Lazarus, why would he stay two days longer where he was before he even started traveling to Bethany? The answer was given to us in verse 4. Did you see that? Jesus knew that this was a way that he could show his glory. He could show who he is. Um, And right here, when we see this aspect of Jesus Christ, so that the Son of God may be glorified even through something painful like this, you can see that when you face sickness, when you face trial, you can know that Jesus still loves you. And secondly, he has a plan. Do you see that right here in in this story? To glorify God is to show the glory of God, is to show His character, everything that's true about Him. And when you reveal with your words, with your art, with your actions, with your responses, the nature of God, you are bringing glory to God. Jesus has a plan. He always has a plan. And this situation right here with Lazarus did not catch Jesus off guard. He knew exactly what was going to happen. He knows exactly how this will end. And his plan was to use this painful reality, the the painful reality of death, and to use it to show who he is, to reveal his glory and to reveal his power over death. Let's keep reading verse 8. Let us go to Judea again. Verse 8, the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you are going there again? I want to take a quick pause right here. I just want to point out Jesus never shied away from walking into trouble. He never did. Jesus doesn't fear. I mean, this is the character of Jesus Christ. He came into trouble the moment he came to this earth as a baby in a manger, as he came into this sin-cursed earth for you and for me. Jesus is not afraid of walking into the fire for you and me. He goes after the hopeless because he is hope and he is not afraid. He has no fear. And he's ready to run to you in your place of desperation. This is who he is. Now, verse 9, let's continue and and see what Jesus says about all of this. Verse 9, Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking a rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. All right, the second thing that we are going to see here in verse 9 is that those who walk in the light do not stumble. They don't stumble because they're walking in the light of this world. In verse 10, those who walk in the night are stumbling because darkness is around them and the light is not in them. Physical illness does not lead to spiritual death. It doesn't. Sin brings death. 
And in the Bible, darkness is always a picture of our sin. The reason Jesus had to come into the world in the first place and walked towards Jerusalem where the cross was, was because our sin has separated us from our relationship with God. And sin is anything that is in contradiction to the nature of God. The opposite of God's justice, His righteousness, His holiness, His truth, His justice, His mercy, the opposite of that is sin. And the truth is, the Bible says we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It shouldn't be that hard to realize that. And Easter isn't some holiday for righteous people. This isn't just for all the good-looking people to look good and pat each other on the back. Easter Sunday is where hopeless people, sinners, lost, rejected, dying people who had no hope found hope in Jesus Christ and we have new life in Him and that's why we are celebrating because we have received a gift that has been given to us and we didn't earn anything. We didn't deserve it but it was given to us by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 5 verse 8 says, But God shows His love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we now have been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Lazarus died. And one day, we will all die. But remember what we highlighted in verse 4. Jesus has a plan. He has a plan and He's making a way. He spells that out again right here to the disciples in verse 15. He has a plan to save you. And whatever you're going through right now, there can be a lot of things that are, you're struggling with that we're, that we're working through right now in, in this present life. Know that Jesus loves you and He has a plan for you. And 2,000 years ago, as He was walking towards that cross in Jerusalem, He was executing His plan to save you. Maybe you're a realist. Maybe you like science or you like facts. And for you, a story like this, the story of Jesus Christ, is just almost too good to be true. It sounds nice, sounds sweet, but that's not enough for you to believe. Well, I think it's very interesting that John, the author of this story here, he is showing us a very nuanced detail. He brings out Thomas in verse 16. And the thing about Thomas, what we can see here, Thomas, in this immediate context, is Thomas is a very passionate person. He says, hey, Lord, if you're going to Jerusalem, we're going with you. We're ready to die for you. He was ready to defend Jesus to death. Thomas was an all-or-nothing type of person, very passionate. But if you fast forward a week and a half, all the way up to John chapter 20, you can see something else about Thomas. Thomas was also a realist, like many of you today. He wanted to believe in facts, something that he could see, because when Jesus died and rose again, Jesus came to the disciples who were hiding in the upper room. And Jesus showed himself to them, and they were amazed. They were blown away. They couldn't believe it. But Thomas actually wasn't in the room at that time. 
And when Thomas came back, all the disciples said, Jesus is risen. He's alive. He was here. He was just here. And Thomas, you remember what he said in, in, in John 20? He said, unless I see the nail prints in his hands, unless I touch that, unless I touch the, the, the scar on his side where the spear went through, I will never believe. Thomas was passionate. Thomas was also a realist. He had to see it to believe it, just like many of us are today. And the truth of the matter is, Jesus came back eight days later and he walked up to Thomas and he said, Thomas, look at my hands, touch these wounds, feel my side. And Jesus said to Thomas, do you now believe? Thomas believed. And then Jesus said to him, blessed are those who have not seen, yet still believe. Will you be one of those people? Here's the thing, Thomas changed his life. These men who were mostly fishermen and, and outcasts of society, they didn't just risk their life and turn the world upside down for a wishful lie. Thomas went all the way to India telling people about Jesus who was dead and who came back to life. We're still talking about Jesus' resurrection 2,000 years later because it happened, it's real, and it changes everything. Sin separates us from God. Sin brings death. But the second point today is the good news, and that is faith in Jesus brings life. Look at verse 17 with me. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Uh oh, here's, here's Martha again. If you remember last week, back when we were in Luke chapter 10, uh, Martha had some some pretty nasty words for Jesus. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't a very good picture of Martha. Now her brother is dead. Where is this going to go? Well, look at verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Martha. Martha, Martha, my how you have changed. If we were just going off what we saw from Martha in Luke chapter 10, I don't think any of you would ever want to name your little girl Martha. But what we see here with her faith in Jesus Christ, I think you all have permission now to name your little girls Martha. This is amazing. This is so beautiful. Martha believes that Jesus is the Messiah. She believes that Jesus will bring life. And he asks her, Jesus asks her the same question that you have to answer. Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? If so, you can confess your sin right now. 
Your pattern of life that was living your way, doing your thing, in opposition to your Creator, you can confess that and say, I am sorry. I am now turning to you. I have faith in Jesus Christ. I believe that He died on the cross for my sin. He rose again. You can do that right now. You don't even have to... You don't even have to let me finish my sermon. You can stop right now and confess, repent, and believe by grace through faith. But there's more to this story, and we're going to keep going. I'm going to read to you now verses 28 through 37, and we're going to get the third point. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, And the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? The third point that we see from this story is that Jesus cares for us. He cares for you. He cares for me. When we're going through painful situations, when we are just hit hard in this life, maybe by a death of a loved one, Jesus sees that. He knows what's going on. He sees how you feel. And He also feels your pain. He feels what you are feeling. Verse 33 says, That when Mary saw Jesus, she was deeply moved. And when Jesus saw that, he was greatly troubled and he was deeply moved with compassion towards Mary. In verse 35, we have this shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. When I was a little kid, I, I went to church and my church had us memorize verses from Scripture, just like we do here at Doxa with our kids. Um, but I remember kids who didn't really know Jesus, they came into our church and they wanted to just memorize a verse so they could get a piece of candy. And they would always go to this verse right here, John 11, 35. I know a verse, I have a memory verse, Jesus wept. And everybody would laugh. If you think about what's going on here though in this context, this is no laughing matter. Jesus wept because he felt Mary's pain and because he loved Lazarus. As I got older and I started thinking about this verse, I started thinking about about it in the way that the people in verse 36 think about it. Look how Jesus loved Lazarus. But now, the more I consider what's going on in verses 1 through 15 and all the way up to this point, remember Jesus knows what he's going to do. He has a plan. Jesus knows that in a few minutes, he's going to be with Lazarus again. He's going to raise him from the dead. So Jesus isn't weeping because he's never going to play a game and sit down and have a meal with Lazarus ever again. Jesus knows that that's not the case. So why is Jesus weeping along with Mary? 
It's because he feels the same pain that we feel. He cares for us. He empathizes with us. That's our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's keep going here. Um, Let's see how our Savior now moves in this time of tragedy in verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. Verse 43, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with the linen strips, his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. This is the fourth point today. Jesus turns death into life. This is our Savior. He can turn a dead man into a living, breathing man because he has power over death. And this was his plan all along, to show his glory, to show that he had the power to bring life out of death. He's ready to do the same thing for you. He's willing, he desires to save you and to bring you out of a spiritual death and into a place of spiritual life, to have the relationship with God that you were created to have. I love how John ends this story because Jesus said to the people around, all these witnesses who just observed this, he said, hey, I want you to now go and unbind him, unwrap him of all these linen straps. Jesus could have done that, but he wanted to include the rest of his friends, his disciples, into the story. And he still operates the same way with you and me. Jesus saves people. He does what only he can do. He brings life out of death. But then he chooses to use us to help unwrap people. Um, The bondage of sin, the, the, the things of sin that still cling to them, that still hold them back, the effects of sin. He uses us to disciple people and to bring people along and to love them and help them get past their shame and their guilt. Jesus chooses to use us in those resurrection stories. So you and I now play a part in in helping our brothers and sisters who've received new life in Jesus Christ. We have the opportunity now to step into their story and to help them. The resurrection of Lazarus was unbelievable. It was amazing. But it wasn't the same as Jesus' resurrection. You know, how was it different? Think about this. Well, with Lazarus and Jesus, there were some differences. With Jesus, no one stood outside the tomb and cried out with a loud voice. With Jesus, no one had to roll the stone back. And with Jesus, he wasn't still bound in the cloths like a mummy. Jesus' clothes were folded and left in the tomb when he rose from the dead. The resurrection of Lazarus was amazing, but it was a foreshadowing 
of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was an echo of the ultimate resurrection of Jesus that conquered sin and death once and for all. The outcome of the resurrection is first and foremost for you to believe. For you to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. For you to believe that Jesus has the power to save you from sin and death and to give you new life. Trust Jesus to give you the life that God created you to have. You weren't meant to live this life for your own pleasure, for your own pursuits, and then die in separation from God. No one wants that for you. Your Creator does not want that from you. That's why He sent Jesus. That's why Jesus took the punishment of your sin on the cross. You were designed by God with unique gifts and talents to be an image bearer of Him. You were created with eternity in your heart and you will never be fully satisfied until you enter into rest and find peace in Him and find a relationship with your Savior. The second outcome of your salvation is to help unbind the fellow resurrected brothers and sisters out of the shackles of their shame and their sin. Jesus is calling you to step into their lives and untangle that mess that's clinging to them. The sun rises every day, and it's a reminder every day of the steadfast faithfulness of our loving God. But do you realize even the sunrise isn't as sure, isn't as consistent and steady as our Savior Jesus Christ? There's coming a day, I don't know when it will be, there's coming a day where the sun will no longer rise. The sun will fail to rise at some point, but Jesus never will. The book of 2 Peter talks about this. You can look it up, 2 Peter chapter 3. But this present earth that we live in, it's beautiful. We love it. We cherish it. We take care of it. But there is coming a day where the earth and all the heavenly bodies will burn and the fire will consume them and everything will be exposed. That sounds sad. In one sense it is, but right after that the good news is that God will create a new heaven and a new earth. And the epicenter of this new earth will be the new city of Jerusalem. We read about that in Revelation 21. I want to show you that when the sun doesn't shine, something else is going to shine. Revelation 21 verse 22, And I saw no temple in the city, for in its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. Jesus, the Lamb, will shine brighter than the sun. The sun at some point in time will fail, it will cease to exist, but Jesus will shine as the sun. Until that day, we are going to be in the night. And in the night, we have darkness and we face the consequences of sin. This earth is cursed with sin right now. But you don't have to live bound by that, by those old ways. You don't have to. This evening, the sun is going to set in the west and dusk is coming. The question is, are you ready 
when dusk comes in your life? You're going to have to answer the same question that Martha had to answer. Do you believe? Martha believed. Mary believed. Thomas believed. Lazarus most definitely believed. But do you believe? When you put an acorn into the dirt, that's not the end of the acorn. Acorn into the dirt, what happens from it? It's not the end because out of it will grow an oak tree. Your life, your current body, when it physically dies at some point, that is not the end. It's just a bend in the road. It's really like a fork in the road because your soul will live somewhere forever for eternity. And when your physical body is buried in the ground, your soul will either go to a place that is in separation from God, in isolation, and we call that place hell, or your soul will go to live with God in eternity. You will live with your resurrected Savior in relationship with Him. Dead bodies are buried, but God looks at a graveyard like a garden. The only difference between a graveyard and a garden is what you plant. Dead bodies that know Jesus will be restored. They will be restored into a resurrected body, just like Jesus here. In the words of Jesus, Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. Will you wake up to newness of life through Jesus Christ today? Sin leads to death. Faith in Jesus leads to life. Jesus cares for you. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, He will take the death that you are facing and He will completely transform that. He will wipe that away and He will give you newness of life. Resurrected life through Jesus Christ. The two realities of the resurrection are it was necessary for Jesus to die because we have sinned. That was the only way to take the punishment for our sin. And then the second reality is that Jesus conquered death. He rose victoriously. So what does that mean for you? What is the outcome? It means your soul is never going to truly die. You will live somewhere forever. Do you believe? Right now, as you're watching this, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. Think through this. Who are you putting your faith in? Who are you putting your trust in? Is it yourself? Are you trying to live based off of facts that you can see, touch, and hold? Or do you have faith in something that you can't see? Something that is greater than yourself, something that will give you hope and peace even in the darkest times. Our Savior Jesus Christ knows what you're going through. He feels your pain and that's why He came to this earth because He loves you. And right now you can say, Jesus, I confess my sin. I am sorry for living a life apart from you and I turn to you in faith. You can put your trust in the shed blood of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You just pray right now. Jesus, I believe that you died for me. Will you save me? Please forgive me of my sins. I put my trust in you. I believe that you rose again. 
and I want to be your child. If you prayed that right now, welcome to the family of God. I want to talk to you about that. And as we close this service, please let us know. Notify us right now and we will get in connection with you. We can pray with you. We can talk through this with you. There is nothing better on Easter than coming to newness in life. And for those of us who already have a relationship with God, let's continue to celebrate the resurrection today. It is the greatest thing that ever happened in the history of the world. It has changed everything and it changes you and me for the glory of God.